0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumpaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: You're listening to TV's Top 5, the Hollywood Reporter's TV podcast. I'm Leslie Goldberg, the West Coast TV editor, and I'm joined by the great Dan Feinberg, THR's chief TV critic. How's it going there, boss?
0: Just a quiet, quiet week, Leslie Quiet, quiet week
1: Well, the Upfront presentations weren't as bonkers as the week that preceded them With all the renewals and cancellations and new series pickups But there were plenty of narratives to go around You're listening to our 170th episode And this is the All Upfronts edition All Upfronts edition Edition,
0: edition, 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 edition. uh uh-huh. was, that, was that dramatic enough? to sound like I could have come from the New York stage of the upfronts. It was probably more dramatic than the situation mandates. I mean, I feel like we're about to spend the next hour talking about how very, very silly this entire week has been. But if you want to start it off with some, you know, some gravitas, let's.
1: I mean, I've been up since it was dark out this morning, so why not? I'm feeling a little punchy. Let's go.
0: (sighs) We should definitely get down to business, whatever that is.
1: Yeah, well, let's start off with headlines. This is not going to really be the same formatted episode that we normally do, but there were a number of announcements that stemmed from the presentations this week, but a relatively surprising lack of, of major news. There's no Grey's Anatomy spinoff announced from the stage the way there was a few years ago when Station 19 was revealed. Instead, the biggest headlines that came out of upfronts were Helen Mirren and some dude named Harrison Ford starring in the Yellowstone prequel 1932, um, they weren't, however, among the all of the Yellowstone franchise stars that took the stage at Paramount's presentation. Um, Edie Falco did, however, join Pete Davidson in the NBC Universal presentation. She's been cast opposite the SNL favorite in Peacock's Bubkiss. Dan, you want to take a couple of couple others? Sure,
0: why not? Uh, there's a Rick and Morty spinoff coming, and uh, that's bound to be very, very exciting for fans of. Well, I'm guessing Rick and Morty. This one will be an anime series based around Rick and Morty and, of course, will be on Adult Swim uh, in news that will be of amusement to our Jewish listeners and perhaps other ones as well. But Sasha Baron Cohen, Greg Daniels and Mike Judge are teaming up on an animated comedy for HBO Max based upon the philosophically quirky world of Chelm and the Helm stories. And I'm just going to keep saying Chayim anyway. Uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. You, when you initially sent me the uh, the news, I didn't actually read it. I just saw Sasha Baron Cohen, Greg Daniels, and and Mike Judge, and I thought, okay, sure, fine, you know, whatever. But then I saw what they were actually doing, and I thought, oh, that's amusing. Why not? I hope it's not anti-Semitic. So, uh, <laughs> because it's one of those things where you could either treat the material with a respectful way, and it would come across as culturally specific and of deep meaning to those of us who actually grew up with. Uh, various film stories. Or you could make it into a bunch of caricatures. And, you know, with Sasha Baron Cohen, he honestly is capable of going either way. And so I will be very curious, but I'm definitely engaged.
1: In other headlines, there were um, one of the probably the biggest pilot pass of the season was at ABC, which declined to pick up its L.A. Law sequel, Uh, So that was obviously from showrunner Mark Guggenheim, who is a former attorney and described his his passion project and what the heartbreak of getting this passed over meant in a really moving blog post about the experience when your dream – when someone says no to your dream effectively. So, uh, And outside of upfronts, the biggest headlines you had, Black Mirror is officially returning for its sixth season on Netflix and HBO renewed Barry, no surprise, for its fourth season. So there's your weekend headlines really.
0: Yeah, and if you feel as if Bill Hader has been telling people that he used the time in quarantine to write the fourth season of Barry for about two years now, you're correct. I found news reports going back to early, early uh, 2021, where he was like, yeah, I used the time to uh, we used the time to write season four also. So, yay, it was renewed for a season that they already started making. I love it when that happens.
1: (laughs) Those are the big headlines of the week. And now we can kind of go either section by section. So leading off, we're going to take a look at NBC Universal's upfront presentation.
0: Number one. So we're going to start with NBC Universal. But one of the things that we're going to talk about over and over again is that there's always been an established format for what The upfronts are. And so an executive comes out and an executive talks about the great year that they had at the network, and they say the thing that they're number one in. Claim to be number one at a variety of made up things. Exactly. And then sometimes they'll do a little nod to the ancillary divisions. And back in the day, your sports or news counted as ancillary divisions in some of these things. And then the executive would be like, OK, but what you're really here for is the presentation of our new shows. And now we're going to go night by night through our schedule. We're going to tell you what's new. We're going to tell you what's at midseason. And then we're going to watch clips for like 15 different shows. And that was the way that this has been done, certainly for the entirety of the 20 years that I've been covering this as a thing. Yeah, that that's not what this year's upfronts were Um, this year's upfronts. We're like sending a telegram to tell people about the importance and relevance of cassette tapes. Uh, Like you're (laughs) like A-tracks, Dan, A-tracks, trackship. ship (laughs) broadcast television has become the A-track of the media world. That's entirely its own thing. Yeah, no, it it, this entire week felt to me like and I've described it to you like this. Like a chicken running around with its head cut off, where it's just running around on electrical impulse, not in any way on sentience, not in any way on actual value. It's a, I'm accustomed to running around my yard in this way, and until I bump into something and die, I'm just going to keep doing it. I don't know that necessarily anything that happened this week counts as bumping into a wall and dying, that chicken can only run her long for so long. And for the record, yes, people can go to their, uh, you know, go to the internet and find stories about that headless chicken that lived for like seven years. So if we're still talking about uh, upfronts in seven years, you just know that the upfronts haven't run into a wall yet. And anyway, so yes, NBC Universal started off, and we're going to talk about how several of these networks did actually show Schedules, but only several, not most, not a majority. So, some, some, some. and and,
1: two. (sighs) CW did. I mean, the CW, we'll get to this one too, but the CW was the most traditional out of all of the presentations because, well, what else do they have?
0: Exactly. CW CW totally treated this as a normal thing, which was also sort of funny because it's not a normal year for the CW. So with the CW, it was a ha, 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 business as usual. Wink-wink, nudge-nudge. Wink-wink, nudge-nudge. We, we might just not. canceled half our shows. <laughs> but, but whatever. Here it's our schedule. And here it's the the supernatural, guys, just like it's five years ago. Uh, But on the other hand, that's that's an approach. And I don't know what else they could have done. They couldn't have been like, yes, we are in absolute, total, complete limbo. We don't know what we're doing here today. Mm -hmm. So instead, they gave the impression. But where do you want to start with NBC and how they chose to handle the strangeness from their end?
1: I mean, well, first of all, we're going to start with NBC because they went first. And that's kind of how my mind works. So, no fall schedule was part of the NBC Universal presentation. Instead, and you'll hear us say this a couple more times, it was a portfolio approach. You know, if you are a loyal listener to TV's top five and a friend of the five, you know that all of these companies have moved and reallocated their re- financial resources to their streamer. The same is true here. So you had you saw Susan Rovner, Jeff Shell take the stage. There was no press call for the first time that I can remember. And the footage that they really showed, they showed a lot of Peacock stuff first. So you had Sam Ismael's The Resort, which looks great. The new Matthew Fox show for Peacock. Um, they did show footage of Quantum Leap and Night Court. USA, which was the formal—the uh, former cable ratings behemoth, was an afterthought and just plugged WWE. But, you know, for, for me, it was just like... Yeah, we're we're here. This is what we've got. You know, here's a couple of things that might be promising to you with big, you know, big trailers with a couple recognizable stars. We've got some sports, but there was no Lorne Michaels. I to, if it were me running this, I would have wheeled out Lorne Michaels and the entire cast of SNL and illustrated with that kind of star power. How much of of those stars remain in business with NBC Universal with other projects, right? Tina Fey and the Cast of Girls Five Eva, Kate McKinnon with that the Dumb Tiger King show. Obviously, Pete Davidson was there with Edie Falco. Like I mentioned, MacGruber was, is a thing that people liked. I, I don't even – has that been renewed yet? I can't remember. It has then, not been renewed. I and think then trot prob- out Dick Wolf and like <laughs> the 7,000 people who worked with Dick Wolf on his six shows for, for NBC Universal and the other things that he's got in the hopper.
0: They brought out there – were, there were Dick Wolf people. I vaguely remember Sam Waterston and a couple other people intoning things ominously. Uh, Mariska right, was there you, and you, Chris Maloney. They not, were They right, were
1: there. Right, but <laughs> – when was the last time Dick Wolf made a public appearance?
0: Uh, th- that is because God love him. Dick Wolf. He's a recluse. I know this. He like
1: spent the <laughs> pandemic, you know, in, in like a bunker or something. You know, that, that's the, the funny rumor that's been going around for the last but, but, two years.
0: But but also there's a limit to how much you want Dick Wolf bullshitting with your advertisers and how much Dick Wolf wants Dick Wolf bullshitting with your advertisers. But and I think the answer to that is zero.
1: It, right, but <laughs> – it, but you're not really. Yes, this is a pitch for ad dollars, but it's also you're trying to get people to buy into what you, as a larger company, are doing. And to me, the two biggest people that NBC Universal has are Lorne Michaels and Dick Wolf, and neither were present.
0: I, I mean, you're obviously, you're obviously right about that. That just was not. And you look at what how- their
1: streaming service is, right? Peacock. So much of that uh, of that service is built around SNL repeats and the Dick Wolf libraries, plus next day episodes of all the current shows, right? That's 90% of your service right there. Anyway, but to me, the, both of those could have been better than whatever the hell that BravoCon song and dance number that they did was, which yeah, that's like permanently etched into my memory.
0: It was look, the BravoCon song, song and dance number was grotesque, but I think that's exactly what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be one of those things where um if it was speaking to you, it would speak to you. It did not speak to you. It did not speak to me. I thought it was excruciating. I don't think
1: we're the, think we're the definition of Bravo viewers.
0: No, we well, – yeah, look, I, I, as I will always say, I watch Top Chef every week religiously. It's one of the few shows that I actually legitimately watch live. Um, well, I mean, admittedly, I pause 15 minutes so that I can buffer through commercials. But I do watch it on Thursday night, uh, which I can't say for a lot of other shows. No, look, what the point of that was – and it was a point of a lot of things that was going, things that were going through the rest of the week. Were look, we might not be able to boast about the audiences for a lot of these things, and we might not be able to admit what the ratings are. But the people who like the or things how many we, subscribers Peacock has, or or something like that. But the people who like the thing that we're selling like it a terrifying amount. And that was what the takeaway that I got from that dance number was. It was the people who care about this are insane. Therefore, if you can latch onto their insanity, you can make slash spend money on it. And that that was that was all it was there for. It just happened not to be a thing that spoke to either of us in any way, shape or form. Uh, but, you know, was <laughs> was that more or less, I don't know, desperate, sad, out of touch than whatever strange thing happened immediately afterwards with with Chris Collinsworth bantering and doing a little dancing himself. And then the Miz coming out and yelling, because, as, as I said, when we started this segment, it, it used to be the sports was a thing that you gave 10 minutes to at your upfront because there was money in it. This year, everyone was leaning on sports because who
1: who said it? I think it was David Zaslav in the Warner Brothers Discovery presentation, where he said sports is the new prime time. Exactly.
0: Oh, he's definitely not wrong. That I mean, more than anything, that's kind of the takeaway here. Is must watch live. It's much watched live, and so eventually, the possibility that upfronts will cease to be about scripted programming. In any way, shape, or form, and will just become a okay. Here's what we've got live this year that maybe you want to be involved with. It, maybe that's what's going to be like. But that's a lot of what this felt like: is a lot of people talking about sports, which people watch live, and news, which people watch live, and everything else. Meh.
1: Well, I think I'll disagree with you a little bit. I'm not undercutting about sports and news, but what I'm I, I do think scripted will always have a place at these presentations as long as they have these presentations. But one of the things, and we'll get to this in the Disney seg- segment coming up, but I, I, I don't think it's going to matter what platform they're promoting, right? You know, we talked a little bit during the Disney presentation of when they had that, like, huge reel of different promos all cut together into, like, one super sizzle reel of a bazillion different shows. Most of them were unrecognizable because they're new. They haven't been out yet. And none of them said the title of the show. None of them said a premiere date, and none of them had what platform or network they were launching on. So at this point, the piece of of these presentations that is disappearing and will probably continue to do so over time is broadcast. Because that's just one, as you said, one small piece of the pie. And it's not even the piece with all the walnuts in it, you know, or all the pecans in it. I don't know. This is a bad pie analogy. I like pecan pie. That's all I can think of right now.
0: Pecan pie is great. I call it pecan pie, but that might just be regional. Um, And and no, uh, like this, that's obviously, obviously true because, you know, for years the narrative was over and over again no, seriously, broadcast is still the best bang for your buck it's still the best way to uh, get in touch with your viewers uh, with your ad dollars and all of that this year i don't think anyone tried claiming that i don't think anyone was trying to say you know even the broadcast networks that actually have things to celebrate weren't trying to say oh yeah broadcast is where it's at no one did that so my question then becomes this entire dog and pony show is built around the broadcast schedule it's all built around the traditionally pilot season is the spring. Then we announce our stuff at the end of the television season, which is the end of May. So here's our new stuff. That's why we're doing this now.
1: Yeah, because, you know, all the new cars started rolling out in September. And that's why the new fall season starts in September was because the automakers would buy ad
0: time on the network to sell cars. But so if all of the things that this entire process is built around are outmoded and bordering on meaningless, like that thing you just said about new cars coming out in September and the thing I said about broadcast television being relevant, I suspect we have young listeners whose brains just exploded about by the idea that these are things you could base schedules around. And so this is a hugely expensive, hugely time intensive multi-day event that's based around a lot of contingencies that don't match any industry in 2022 anymore. So Right.
1: But I think, you know, as I've been thinking more and more about these presentations, you know, I just did a big analysis that posted about why the broadcast networks weren't center stage at these upfront presentations anymore. And in thinking about it, it's like, well, why are we having upfronts? Well, all of these platforms are all going to have tiers that have advertising on it. So it does make sense to continue to do this. Does it make sense to do this in the middle of May? No. From a broadcast perspective? Absolutely not. Because, you know, I I crunched the numbers as I am prone to do this year. You know, we, coming in, there were a mere 35 pilot orders this year, which was a 10 year low. And then that trend continues. The total series orders across the networks, again, another low for the same period. After averaging nearly 40 pickups a year for the last decade, you had 17 new shows picked up collectively from all five networks. And then, and the reason for that is they've all shifted to year round development a lot of it because of the pandemic, a lot of it because of, of of reduced budgets, because the shift has been all those those dollars have been reallocated towards streaming. So does it make, make sense that bro- that broadcast wasn't a huge part of the upfront presentations? Absolutely. Do we need to keep doing the upfront presentations in the middle of May? No. Do we need the upfront presentations as a whole? If you want to sell ads and meet advertisers, probably
0: yes. And, and I don't just dis- I don't obviously don't disagree with that. Like there's there's a reason to get these companies together with the people who provide the money that allow them to do work no question about that whether it requires a major reconsideration of how they're doing it when they're doing it why they're doing it i think that is probably true but you know you look you if they all do it in the same week it allows the advertisers to come to new york and stay for a week and whatever but as you just said and as I've said now 50 times why it has to happen in the middle of May, it's based upon a central premise that is no longer relevant. So what do you do? Other, you either continue along and wait to bump into a wall, at which point you either die or do something different, or – I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know how this can be done cheaper. I mean, obviously it can be done cheaper because the past yeah, couple of well, years. They didn't,
1: I mean, look how many cast members from these new shows took the stage. Outside of the CW, not many. So that, that that's a reduction in, in your cost because you're not paying for talent travel. You're not paying for hair and makeup. You're not paying for, for lodging, etc.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely I haven't seen quite the – you know the normal level of red carpet coverage. That's obvious, always been a thing that you know people in our field have gone to New York for at this time. As you do, you do red carpet coverage and you do your first of a series of banal interviews with the stars of new shows where they have nothing to say because they haven't shot anything other than the pilot. And then you do the exact same interviews again at press tour, and then you do the exact same interviews again at Comic Con, and you do the exact same interviews at Premier week. Uh, so this is kind of the start traditionally of a banal news cycle, and instead somehow we they're they're just it wasn't there and so as you say many fewer stars uh i don't know there were some musical performances nothing was as big as the BravoCon performance uh in terms of size and scale leslie's eyes just rolled so far back into her head uh and I don't. I'll,
1: I'll call Stevie Wonder at the CW bigger than the BravoCon presentation just know, in, in terms, know, terms of stature. Terms I mean, Lizzo stature. was there too. That's pretty cool. But but,
0: but, you Lizzo, know. but Lizzo didn't do per, didn't do a performance. Lizzo was there. Uh, Stevie Wonder did do a performance, but it was Stevie Wonder and a couple guys in his band. It wasn't. Yeah. Did, did p-
1: that fit with what the CW's target demo is? <laughs> Not exactly.
0: We're we're gonna get we'll, we'll get there at some point. I assume. Yeah. Uh Because because I feel like we maybe need to steer things back in the NBA direction yes. as Well, let's about- wrap let's wrap with nbc
1: so in short new series coming to nbc the george lopez comedy lopez versus lopez the night court reboot and the update of quantum leap canceled keenan mr mayor the Endgame, your favorite show dan ordinary joe and this is us is wrapping next week
0: Yeah, um, and none of the trailers – I didn't think any of the trailers looked good. I thought The Last Resort looked fine. It looked like White Lotus meets Lost. I can do that. Meets Palm Springs. Meets Palm Springs. The Matthew Fox show looked like the kind of show that NBC tried to air 50 different times like five years ago, sort of international thrillers. NBC had a string of them that that failed where I can't remember any of them. Any of them. Like Anna Freel was in one, but I don't remember what it was called. They were they just kept coming. It looks a lot like one of those. The Nightcore trailer I thought looked excruciating. Uh the, like not even a smile in in three minutes. Uh,
1: American Odyssey is yeah,
0: the no, ano- Anna Freel could, one. Right? Couldn't have come up with that in a hundred years. But yes, that is that is a hundred percent what it Google. was. Um the quantum leap trailer. I thought the quantum leap trailer looked fine. It you know, there's I see no reason why that shouldn't be fine but on the other hand it looks like the sort of somewhat glossy reboot NBC has tried a bunch of times again like 10 years ago that didn't work like when they tried rebooting Night Rider when they tried rebooting Bionic Woman this to me looks like one of those and I don't know necessarily if that's gonna work and again in broadcast television at this point I don't know what it what working even looks like other than it comes back for a second season. Uh, What did you think of Seth Myers? And uh, because that's the other thing that at least people have kept going for this new version of upfronts is bringing out their comic talent to say some snarky things. How did you think Seth did in the first of the weeks snarky people? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it honestly wasn't very good. And and I think they. But he's never the
1: best part. I mean, it's always Kimmel. Hands down. <sighs> and no I'm one sure. comes close.
0: No, no one no one does, but there are still imitators. I think it would have be- I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to every week say that NBC needs to be boosting Amber Ruffin's profile because I think they should be boosting Amber Ruffin's profile. I think it would have been a good opportunity to bring out Amber Ruffin, uh, and they did not. I don't remember. Was NBC one of the 15 different uh, networks that uh, that brought out Nicole Byer? I feel like Nicole Byer was part of three different upfronts she was this week. Part
1: of three. I. You know what? It's, as we record this, it's Thursday afternoon. I can't remember anything that happened on Monday. No, no,
0: they all blur together. And You're lucky I, I
1: can t- t- remember what I've already talked about from NBC. And that's.
0: And that's and that's a probably a sign of some sort for all of the networks. Is that Nicole Byer was there for three different shows? I could not tell you any of the and three different she have, shows like, that she, three
1: different things on Netflix.
0: Uh, and she and she has things on Netflix. I couldn't tell you what she was promoting at any of them. What I can tell you is, and everyone well, should she has probably, a comedy on NBC, and she is doing uh, with John Cena. She's doing Grand Crew. She's doing Grand white. Is she in Violet. Grand
1: Crew or is she? What's the other one?
0: She is not. Uh, I don't know what she, I don't know all the things she's doing. She's she's doing many many things uh and her energy level is always fantastic and people should probably keep that in mind when they're looking at people for future late night slots is is i know that nicole Byers probably not everybody's cup of tea but uh yeah she's she's very very good with the high energy and well she wasn't
1: at cbs right (laughs) because they're the ones with the opening
0: um Yes, they are, and I, I feel like people have mentioned her. Yeah, actually, now that I think about, it, she is on Grand Cruise. So, the, too many people is the, too many people, too many shows. But Nicole Byer cuts through with her energy more than anything else, and so I would, I would give her some sort of job where she has to keep people awake. So, a late night job would be either a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe she's a morning show person anyway.
1: If, if you're listening, to CBS, you can credit Dan on that uh, suggestion. Oh, for God, no, to Replace James Corden.
0: I've seen 55 different people suggest it before me. I my, I continue to think move Trevor Noah up to that slot and give someone else the, the Daily Show. That, that continues to be my vote if anyone is caring. Right. But, and we'll come
1: back to Corden in a minute. But, you know, up next, let's take a look at Fox because they were second this week. Number two. Fox really got advertisers to come out into the into a New York theater right after New York issued a mask warning because of rising covid levels and then they went with an entirely pre-taped presentation, Dan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You seem, a, you seem you seem amused by it i am just perplexed by it and why would anyone I, do
1: why would you do that why oh, would no, you? no if that?
0: if i'd been there i would I'd be pissed if, if i had to put on pants for that yes i would have been vague if Six, i had to put on yeah. pants for a taped presentation it
1: was like 90 minutes sitting in an
0: uncomfortable theater in a mask being During, tol- like, a COVID surge. Being told about how great it is that Fox News is part of the Fox family, uh, I I would have been angry. Flip, flipping a table. I would have been very, very angry. I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to remember anything that happened at the Fox presentation other than the, them telling me how great Fox News was, while at the same time somebody correctly realized that you couldn't promote the most popular piece of talent on Fox News. So you have 20 minutes of, yeah, Fox News is great. Everyone loves Fox News. Fox News is fantastic. But no, no mention of Tucker Carlson, because everyone's in the process of talking about Tucker Carlson and great replacement theory and what role he plays in the overall degradation of society. So someone at Fox had enough common sense to know that you couldn't promote tucker carlson but boy were they eager to promote fox news and so yay
1: <laughs> yeah well also missing from fox's presentation was the fall schedule because the network didn't bother to announce one so you want to go back and t- and touch once again on on how little these presentations matter for broadcast networks there's a great example
0: and they're big announcements or their big clips were from a bunch of shows that they ordered a long time ago like great I'm happy to finally see clips from monarch which was originally ordered in 2019 I believe you told me at some Yeah point. I,
1: yeah it was originally developed as part of Fox's script to series model which you know if the, you got to keep in mind Fox is overseen by Charlie Collier who came from AMC AMC developed shows on a script series model. So he brought kind of that development idea there because guess what? They're also spending money, you know, spending less money on scripted originals. So, you know, yes, you saw clips from Monarch, which was originally supposed to air this past season um, after the NFC Championship game in January and was rolled to this season, citing after the network cited uh, delays related to the pandemic. You also saw clips from the animated comedies Grimsburg and Crapopolis, which is just really fun to say. Crapopolis, I'll say it again. Um, but again, those were picked up a long time ago. Animated shows, if we've, as we say, take a lot longer to produce. Um, and two other new shows. They showed footage of Accused, which is an episodic anthology. They also picked up a show called Alert, which hasn't even been cast, let alone shot. Uh, so yeah, there's, you know... For a whole presentation about a network that has been scaling back on, on scripted over the last couple of years because of the you know, the Disney sale. They don't have a studio anymore, or they do now, but they they've, you know, launched one now getting doing like co-productions with other studios, but for the most part, they don't own a lot of their programming. I think Monarch is the first one that they own fully, but yeah, they spend a lot of time promoting stuff that hasn't even been filmed yet or has been in the works for like two years
0: yep fox we're we're home to both fox news and susan sarandon somehow so hey at least it's some level of diversity of ideology or thought or something uh as fox is about to discover that attempting to market a red meat red state country music drama that stars susan sarandon is going to cause problems. I, I I feel like someone should probably know that, but whatever. Maybe, hey, maybe it'll work. Maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know what works anywhere anymore. And I feel like that's probably been my takeaway from this entire week is I don't know what works. I'm not sure that networks do. I'm not sure these companies who pay their executives tens of millions of dollars know what works. What works, Leslie?
1: <laughs> if if I knew, you think I would be doing this podcast, Dan? Oh, I thought you did this podcast for love,
0: Leslie. I do do it for love. You're <laughs>
1: right, Dan. But no, I would be retired and on a beach in Hawaii somewhere if I if I had the secret sauce and knew what
0: worked. No, but, because then you would have a job that was paying you ten million dollars a year to make TV work. You can't have the the permanent. I beach would in do. Hawaii.
1: I would work for one year, get the ten million, and then hang it up and go on a beach in Hawaii and throw my phone in the water.
0: That sounds good. Let's be fair. <laughs> So that sounds very good.
1: So you actually made made a really good point when we were talking about uh, one of the analysis stories that I did this week. Fox had no choice but to come out with this presentation and say, "We are dedicated. We are a dedicated broadcast network. Broadcast is first. We are a priority on our broadcast network. Come by ads on Fox. We prioritize broadcast." And they're banging the drum and banging the drum, and it's like, well. Yeah, you, you don't really have anything else. You have whatever the hell Tubi is, um, but nothing else. You don't, it's not like you have a cable, you know, I mean, you have Fox News, which is, again, you've already covered that. Not something you're going to come out and, and boast about for 90 minutes, but there's no other, what else is in that fold? I think there F- was like Fox a hot sport. second no. for like the Fox, well, they did have Fox Sports, but like, but then they did like the weather, the Fox Weather Channel too was part of the presentation. And it's just like, come on guys.
0: Well, it goes back a couple, you know, when the the Fox break off and the Disney deal and all of that, when those pieces happened, there was the big thing about how nimble Fox was going to get to be because of its independence and this year, it kind of felt like they were kind of backtracking on that and going, yeah, we're independent, but we have these we have these other things. We, we can still boast about this because otherwise we're just a, a lonely broadcast network, which was basically what the CW did. Um, yeah, it it put Fox in a in a strange position, because if you've got if you've got Comcast, NBC, Universal, uh Wig Company, et cetera, on one hand, and then, you know, we're about to go into the Disney monolith. Then we're about to go into the Warner Brothers Discovery monolith. Then we're about to go into the Paramount monolith. When when suddenly Fox becomes this little, little tiny underdog, either you're going to buy that as the narrative, or you're going to go, it's really cute that you're a little underdog you're about to get stepped on. And I I don't know. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So in short, Fox, looking at what's new, accused, alert, Grimsburg, Crapopolis, and Monarch, which technically not super new, canceled the big leap, our kind of people, and pivoting. And what was funny about, uh, Fox is at the end of the presentation, they had a blooper reel, uh, of things that, you know, obviously the outtakes from <laughs> the pre-recorded presentation. And there was a bit in there about pivoting, which it's like, ah, uh, so they, they made them record something to be part of the upfront, and then they canceled the show. Porn went out for the cast of Pivoting.
0: At least with Pivoting, I remembered that it existed. Several of the shows that were canceled this week, I had forgotten existed in any way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, and that was a good cast. I will say that. It was. Up next, Disney. Number
0: three. Yep, time to get to the monolith uh, uh, segment of our presentation because we got three straight presentations where the basic theme was, yeah, we own absolutely everything. <laughs>
1: yeah. My, my my favorite, absolute favorite part of the Disney presentation, actually it was my favorite part of the entire week, was obviously Jimmy Kimmel. And he was talking about all of the streaming services and everything, you know, Paramount Plus and Disney Plus and everything's with a plus. And that he came up with a term and called it a plusterfuck. I cried so I, I cried I was laughing so hard it, it's my new favorite word it's a fuck. it's brilliant that's it we're gonna we can wrap Disney
0: <laughs> that was and there we are Disney heck that's it for Upfront's plusterfuck fuck. <laughs> it's a it's, it's clever <laughs> yeah <laughs> I nope, got anyway it. Got to I mean, give people some credit. Yeah. Got to give people some credit for for some cleverness. Amidst and he the and whole thing. he came
1: up with that while he, after contracting COVID a second time. So <sighs> he he zoomed into the presentation because he was originally planning to be there in person, but then tested positive the morning of the show. Further illustrating why it was so fucked up, pardon my French, why it was so screwed up that Fox invited people to sit in an, in a crowded theater. For a pre-recorded presentation, so anyway, I digress but Disney you know there were a couple of things that that really surprised me and and one of them one of the things that was highlighted was the Onyx collective um, that was like I think was one of the first things that was right out of the gate as part of Disney's presentation and if you're like most listeners right now you're probably going, what the heck is Onyx Collective uh, well I've talked about it a couple of times I was on gonna the show. Say, if
0: you're if they're like most listeners they've heard you talk about it before. Right.
1: That is the the production company like Banner housed within Disney that is overseen by freeform president Tara Duncan that focuses on underrepresented voices. And while they're not calling it part of Hulu, all of the content that is picked up via Onyx is going to stream on Hulu. It won't air. It, there's no plans to air it on Linear to begin with, but they pl- they plugged a show called Reasonable Doubt with its unknown star. They trotted out Kerry Washington, who's producing two shows for Onyx and starring one of them. Uh, then they plugged Fleischman is in trouble. They, they trotted out Alan Pompeo, who looked so bored to be there for what has to be, or what, 15th time, at least, out of the 19 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. Then they plugged a Hulu show with uh uh, called the, the Chippendales, not to be confused with the actual chip and dale movie animated movie there was a whole bizarre thing where amy schumer pretended to be a member of the kardashians kamey sure yeah and then and then there was the, the the supersized sizzle with a lot of shows that no one knows anything about so it's like here look flashy new things look this this all is cool we're not gonna tell you about any of them though
0: yeah. Um, and for the record, uh, the the underknown, not unknown star of Reasonable Doubt is Emiati Corinaldi, uh, who has a great name that Kerry Washington was clearly enjoying saying. And people could know her from uh curious TV show. She was the star of Redline uh, um, on CBS that I totally watched. Canceled after of. one season. It was a limited series. It was. No, it wasn't.
1: She said for uh, she said at TCA that that was an ongoing show.
0: Yeah, whatever. It was anyway. It was Ava DuVernay. Why do I
1: remember that? Uh,
0: but I don't know. I hey, I'm like, you didn't watch all of it. At least I totally watched all of it. It was fine. It wasn't. It wasn't awful. It was. Uh,
1: Spoiler alert, Dan. I didn't watch any of it.
0: I am aware, or I'm unsurprised, or is, yeah. whatever. Uh, yes, the the strange medley of programs with no identification of what they were when they're airing or where they're airing was a really odd way to promote a bunch of shows i it was just a blob of programming which if nothing else is probably a metaphor for the entire industry at this point is that uh is that it's all just a big blob of shows that no one knows where they're airing or what they are or if they've been canceled or, you know, seeing bunches of premiere dates for season twos of things where I'm like, oh, that was a show that had a season one. And little known fact, I do this for a living. Uh, so I don't I don't know how human beings actually are holding up on things. Um
1: but I do yeah. think that that really illustrates what our larger point is, is that it, the broadcast just doesn't matter as part of these presentations. And what platform or network that they're going to air on, it doesn't matter because it's all, if you want it, come to Disney, buy the bundle, it, it'll be here somewhere.
0: <sighs> so, yes. Yeah. So what else did Dis- Disney accentuate? Well, uh, there was no mention at all. All of anything related to Star Wars, presumably because there's whatever the convention fan festy thing is that's coming up, and they make the decision that that's better saved for that. Uh, there was a big exciting Marvel thing with Kevin Feige coming out for the first time, which was exactly the moment at which the feed was cut for anyone watching it remotely, because we apparently are not worthy of promotion. <laughs> like I don't. This
1: is what I don't understand. So they streamed they didn't stream, let me start. This is what I don't understand, Dan. They cut off the live stream because they showed the trailer for She-Hulk in the room. And then they released the trailer like the minute that that it was over on on, on social and on it was all everywhere. So why cut off the stream?
0: They were making strange choices and and generally corporate making strange choices on when trailers were going to come out what they thought they were teasing in different ways like so okay we weren't worthy of seeing the trailer for she hulk until 15 minutes later when it came into our inboxes but we got to watch the first footage for disenchanted and hocus pocus 2 on disney plus i'm not sure if those have actually gone online yet because we were told multiple times that they were in rough forms or something but they didn't look particularly rough, or they didn't look more or less rough, or uh, the She-Hulk trailer already has people freaking out about how bad the CG looks in that, and it's coming out in in August. Um, so... Yeah, I I don't have I don't have answers. Again, this is just going to be a running theme is no answers, no understanding. People on people on the interwebs on Twitter have been already campaigning to attempt to Sonic the Hedgehog, the uh, the special effects on She-Hulk. You know, if we complain long enough, will they attempt to will they redesign and redo this entire series that's only two months away from premiere?
1: Can we just Uh, talk about the title for a second here?
0: It's it's She-Hulk,
1: attorney at law. It's with jokey. Tatiana Maslany.
0: It's jokey, it's and I nothing think screams
1: it, comedy like Tatiana Maslany.
0: Excuse me, Parks and Rec co-star, uh, yeah, guest but star. Come on. I don't know. She's she's not unfunny. I think uh, actually I would say that a lot of her best parts on Orphan Black were when she got to be the funniest. I I, she is unquestionably a talented comedic actress. On the other hand, the special effects do look strange. I am not in any way. I am not in any way a, a fan of the comic. So I don't have any real sense of whether things are totally similar to some run of the comic or another or if the look is from some run of the comic. Or other, a lot of people seemed concerned about many aspects of the CG. To me, it looked a little bit silly. But if the goal of the series is to be kind of a lark, I have no problems with I mean, Disney Plus. It's a half
1: hour, right? So it's a comedy.
0: I will. It's definitely a comedy. I mean, unquestionably, if you look at it, it is very clearly. I mean, I laughed towards, at the
1: trailer, but I don't think it was. You were no, I you were laughed to- the way that I was designed to laugh. No, you were
0: totally. <laughs> well, depending on what you were laughing, I can't say for sure. You were definitely supposed to laugh. It is supposed to be a comedy. I um, laughed at how
1: terrible it looked. There, uh, that's
0: not exactly what they were going for. then in that case, no, it's a comedy. But whether it's going to be whether what its run t- episodic runtimes are, I don't know that we actually know that. Um, so we'll find out
1: (laughs) yeah and this just in Disney Plus is developing a new Daredevil TV show so again you want to talk about missing missing major announcements from the stage Feige could have revealed this this has kind of been speculated by you know the former stars of the Netflix Daredevil show which is of course owned by ABC which is Disney so of course they're going to bring him probably bring back uh, what's his name and what's his name who's what the hell Charlie, Charlie Cox and who's the other guy who was in Daredevil Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, right? Well, Did I get that right?
0: I th- well, definitely, Vincent D'Onofrio is yeah. some. And well, Vincent they, D'Onofrio they, is. Yeah, they've
1: been in other projects. They've, bo- they've both popped up recently in other Marvel things. They o- Marvel owns the property. It makes complete sense. They just re added all the, the Netflix shows to Disney Plus and the Marvel Hub there. So, yeah, this could have been announced from the stage too. It's not like it hasn't been speculated enough. And it's not like the actors haven't said anything, said similar remarks for, for what, months?
0: I'm just going to anyway. pretend that it was announced on stage, but it was just when the feed was off. And so and, and every <laughs> and everyone in the room kept the secret because that is the thing that upfronts are about is sure. people keeping secrets about things I mean, in the room.
1: Look, I'm, I'm a news junkie. I appreciate getting a big reveal on that kind of a stage. But that's not what this year's presentations were about. This was about scale and showing like come to Disney. You can buy an ad with Disney and it'll be on eventually Disney Plus with that when that ad tier launches Hulu. ABC, Freeform, Disney Channel, Disney Junior, Disney XD. I can keep going on, but you get the idea. It was about scale, and we'll get into that next, too, with Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global. But, you know, as, as for Disney, I mean, they also announced that the XFL would be coming to FX. Danny Garcia came out wearing a rainbow skirt, which may have been a subtle dig at, at Disney's handling of the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida. I don't know, but uh, which at they, least they doubled which down double- on their commitment to diversity and inclusion, which we talked about with with Onyx and everything else. But yeah, it was just again scale. I mean, did we see trailers for their new shows? ABC's got Alaska, the Hillary Swank newspaper drama, um, and they pick up a David E. Kelly show called Avalon that hasn't even been cast. A Gina Rodriguez comedy called Not Dead Yet and the rookie spinoff, Feds, starring Niecy Nash.
0: I think a couple of them were featured in the Nebulous uh, programming blob montage, I I think. Uh, Blobtage? Blobtage, but I don't know that all of them were. And it's kind of funny because, you know, say what you will, Hillary Swank is a multi-Oscar winning actress. I feel like you might want to promote that she's anchoring one of your flagship network's new programs, but... Or else you don't. I, I don't. I don't know anything, Leslie. That's what, I came away from this week stupider than when I started the week. And there is no way that that is what Upfront Week is supposed to be about, making you less able to comprehend the industry that you cover.
1: You do wind up with a little bit of upfronts brain mush at the end of these things, but uh, I
0: don't. I don't even think it's that though. I think it's everything was confusing as opposed to everything being illuminating or clarifying. I yeah. there needs to be a second week where everyone clarifies the nonsense that they put out no, this week. No, uh-uh. there does not need to be a second week of this crap. <laughs> and, and everything needs to be done at eight a.m. on the East Coast. <laughs> I hate you so much, Dan. No.
1: I am not a morning person, so if I'm a little punchy, it's because I've been up since five. And that I didn't, wasn't aware that there was a five in the morning, only a five in the evening. Anyway, so wrapping up: ABC canceled Promised Land, Queens, Blackish ended, and Maggie moved to Hulu. And I've already run through the new shows. So, also missing from the Disney presentation: fall schedule for ABC.
0: Chumba Chumbacasino.com No purchase necessary 18
1: plus terms and conditions apply website for details
0: Number four
1: Up next this week It's a super-sized Super conglomerate Media titan Ginormous congloms Paramount Global As well as Warner Brothers Discovery Two separate presentations And then we're going to throw in the CW Just for shits and giggles Because, well, they're owned by Paramount And Warner Brothers Discovery So, where do you want to start here, Dan?
0: I don't know. And that is probably once again representative of these things because uh, there was a lot of what are we actually doing here about these presentations, particularly the Warner Brothers discovery, where the whole point was basically okay, now we've been in business for six weeks, let's talk about this. A year ago, this was announced. Now, six weeks, we're huge, we're huge, we're huge.
1: We've got all these unscripted cable networks. We've got Discovery. We've got TLC. We have HGTV. We have Food Network. We also have HBO Max. And Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones wasn't even – there wasn't a single dragon anywhere to be found at this presentation.
0: Or a single second of footage. Someone made a joke about dragons, but no one actually said the reason why we're making a joke about dragons is because we have an upcoming Game of Thrones series that we're sure people are going to be into. I mean, of course, not that HBO is ad-supported, so it doesn't have as much meaning. No, but eventually
1: there's going to be an ad-supported tier on HBO Max. Which means, what, are you going to be able to watch HBO – shows with, can you watch the Game of Thrones with commercials? If you're an advertiser and that's a possibility, scream it from the rooftops if you're Warner Brothers Discovery.
0: Well, I mean, we already know that Game of Thrones shows will allow you to do product integration with Starbucks because, uh, <laughs> because so we, we know that they're at least open to that possibility. So it's all kind of a gateway at a certain point. And maybe that's what we're supposed to have as a takeaway here. Like, I honestly would have, I would have run the Game of Thrones with the Starbucks uh, cup clip and said, see, we're we're open to doing some somewhat unconventional things. Uh, yeah, it was hard. Basically, the Warner Brothers Discovery panel was this, you know, it was this is us. It was here. Here is the thing that we have become in the last six weeks. Um, take it in. Witness our glory. Here's Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, again, no mention of Game of Thrones, no mention of Succession, no J.J. Abrams, no Greg Berlanti, nothing about the powerhouse that is Warner Brothers television, nothing about what's coming up on HBO and HBO Max. They did trot out uh, Mindy Kaling to preview her upcoming Scooby-Doo animated series Velma.
0: But with no footage from Velma. With
1: no fo- I mean, there was a still.
0: There was There was a still that people have been picking over because it featured – a woman with her head cut open and a naked woman behind her. So that at least kind of gave an indication of tone.
1: <laughs> and Velma's and brown, which Mindy Kaling is out of shits to give, which is great. But also the big takeaway from this presentation is, well, first of all, HBO Max and Discovery Plus are not fully integrated yet, which could have been a, a huge announcement for this uh, upfront presentation. But the big takeaway was – They're putting a lot of investment and focus into Jennifer Hudson's syndicated daytime talk show.
0: Yeah, I hey, look. If you didn't know Jennifer Hudson had a syndicated talk show coming, then absolutely they made that point very, very, What very, if you
1: do know, but you just don't care?
0: <laughs> then this was not the upfront presentation for you because she kept coming out and she kept coming out and... <laughs> you, it was a little like, rough at times. You Well, you sensed at every stage that she wasn't exactly sure what the actual talk show was or what its format was going to be. So at some point she was interviewing people and it was cumbersome. But really, every time she got out there on the stage with a microphone... Um, She kept wanting to sing. Finally, at the end, she did respect. And so everyone was like, all right, Jennifer Hudson. (laughs) That's that's who we want to see. Maybe not Jennifer Hudson conducting interviews. But yeah, look, sometimes there's value in imprinting in people's minds that something exists. And I think anyone who was at that presentation now is fully aware that Jennifer Hudson has a talk show. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Okay. Cool. All right. So up next. <laughs> let's go to pa- let's go to Paramount Global, Dan. This is obviously the former Viacom CBS. So you're looking at a a presentation that by all means should have included content for CBS, Showtime, Paramount Plus, MTV, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon. You get the gist. This, this is a pretty sprawling portfolio of cable networks. And instead the presentation was built around a theme of 60 Minutes, which, yes, is a mega hit on broadcast. But I'll be honest, Dan, I dozed off. <laughs> it was based around a... It was also at like 7 o'clock in the morning.
0: It was based around a premise of 60 Minutes. Uh, this one was at... Come on, this one was at 1 Pacific, uh, Oh, it was?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> i only felt that way. i only felt like 7 a.m.
0: This one was in the <laughs> afternoon. So it was based around the premise of 60 Minutes. Except that they didn't come close to wrapping it in 60 minutes. It was like 72 minutes. Um, In addition, and no one wanted to point out that 60 minutes is 60 minutes, but with commercials. With ads, yeah. So so this was 72 minutes without ads. Um, A supersized episode. Also in the process, making... Most people feel genuinely uncomfortable for all of these 60 Minutes journalists who were there doing embarrassing promotional puff piece interviews masquerading as advertising supplements. It was – I felt bad for every one of those people. Um,
1: Let let alone the fact that that was – like there's no way that that would have happened because it would have been a complete and total conflict of
0: interest. So,
1: Journalistically speaking, I object.
0: uh, I – I hope somebody, because not all of the 60 Minutes people actually made appearances. I hope that is because two or three of them said, yeah, absolutely, I'm not, not. I'm not doing this. This is bad. Um, so that was stupid. The major focus was probably on Paramount Plus, I would say, because there was a lot of time talking about new Taylor Sheridan shows. There was a lot of talk yep. about Taylor Sheridan, not not actually with Taylor Sheridan, either interviewed or in person because Taylor Sheridan is off making 15 different shows.
1: Yeah. But instead you got <laughs> Kevin Costner to come out. Sly Stallone was there. No Harrison Ford or Helen Mirren. Um, there was Type a, diver- de- but then de- my favorite part of the whole Yellowstone Sheridan verse was that they did a diversity bit right after trotting out a, a parade of, 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 white folks from the Taylor Sheridan universe.
0: Uh, David Yellow was there. So he's, he's right. got a show. Um, and yeah, so that was, that was about that. Uh, <laughs> No, it was it was all strange. They did a lot of coverage of Star Trek, which again is is Paramount Plus, so you had most of the available captains. I wonder if William Shatner had other things to do. I mean, he has nothing to do with any of the Paramount Plus shows, but still in all, he is a he is an established Star Trek captain a- and whatnot. and they have library rights. Exactly. So, but instead, you know, you did have you did have Patrick Stewart, Kate Mulgrew, um yeah. Uh, lots of lots of Star Trek y people, um, and there was and- a
1: CBS schedule at the end of it.
0: <laughs> very, An actual very-
1: schedule. It was pre taped and run through in like a minute,
0: but there was a schedule. It was remarkably fast. Uh, and you know, look, we there were a couple successes this year on the broadcast slate, and so the networks tried to emphasize some of those. Successes and so. What know, was backstory. more
1: awkward, Dan? Oops. I'm sorry to interrupt you. What, but, but what was more awkward? The, the musical number f- that the cast of Ghosts did as part of the Paramount presentation, or whatever ABC was trying to do with with the the stars of Abbott Elementary?
0: Oh, the Abbott Elementary stuff was was far worse because the Abbott Elementary stuff was taking genuinely funny people, most of whom are capable of on their own producing good content. Like I don't, you know, I don't know who does the banter for most of this. And the ABC banter, the Disney banter in general was excruciating throughout. The only the only person who very clearly had his own writers was Kimmel. So that was that was dreadful. I like if I didn't know Abbott Elementary and I watched that thing, whatever that was, I would find no amusement in it at all. At the very yeah, least. Yeah, you wouldn't
1: really realize that it was the, the biggest show on, on broadcast this year. And, no, and every no publication, including us, and we had obviously we had Quinta Brunson on the podcast, but everyone has done the Abbott Elementary broadcast rare hit and And, breakout, some, and some
0: people have done the same for Ghosts, which also which I'm sure, you know, CBS people would want to tell you is a bigger hit than Abbott Elementary. And, you know, it's all about well, they which, don't
1: all, they also don't own it. That's a Lionsgate show. I but mean, they maybe still did, maybe it's a co-pro but still
0: they still brought them brought the ghost people out and they did a musical number uh which was very confusing cuz everyone was in character and they treated it as being in character and it was a bad musical but Rose McIver is always charming uh but yeah that was that was strange but look there look there are a few successes and so you acknowledge the successes and you pretend that other things don't exist like look at look at Fox there have been years where, you know, past couple of years where it was all about, ooh, all we want to do is talk about the Masked Singer. There was basically no Masked Singer presence at all in the the Fox blathering. They didn't bring out any of the judges, any of the hosts, none of that. because No Rudy it, Giuliani. They didn't bring out Rudy Giuliani uh, to talk about his celebratory experience, uh, et cetera. Um
1: Sorry, Dan. I didn't mean for that to be triggering.
0: Exactly. It just it just brought yeah. everything down. Um, well, let's talk about uh, <laughs> since
1: I, since I've already brought the show down, Lehan Rhymes closed out the
0: uh, with Paramount? with with Mickey Guyton. Uh So you know, Mickey Guyton's How old a little is, bit.
1: When, what what year did How Do I Live come out?
0: I don't know. You can Google that if you want. But, it was but a like, long time ago. Wh-
1: why why?
0: It's it, the song is still in the in the core de- in the uh, the key demo I think uh, it it wasn't look it wasn't good and it was kind of a I don't know it was hard to explain what it was doing there it was hard to explain why they thought that was going to be the climactic performance of their thing whether it was better or worse than the perform you know than their various comic representatives so Stephen Colbert was at towards the top of the show and he was. A little funny and, uh, you know, Corden was sort of in I don't give a fuck anymore mode and therefore was was slightly funny. I, you know, when he when he's kissing up to people, I don't like James Corden at all when he's not. Sometimes I find him funny and I, I think I chuckled like I would put him in a tier below Jimmy Kimmel, but above dirt i don't know <laughs> this is all it's all exhausting and it's so all... it was Kim,
1: so kimmel colbert seth
0: i think I, put, I think i put Corden ahead of seth and i yeah. i i'm like in a general sense i prefer seth every day of the week and twice on, you know, so like I put Seth, and then whatever it was, I think Jimmy Fallon also made an appearance and was excruciatingly unfunny. So I oh, put yeah, Jimmy was Jimmy I always put Jimmy Fallon towards the the bottom. You put him
1: under the dirt, right?
0: Yeah, under the, yeah. you know, that sounds that sounds yeah, dark. Uh-huh. No, no need to go quite that dark. But anyway, for you know, for everyone listening, as always, Kimmel is the one who Kimmel is the original and the and the best, except no substitutes. <laughs> And yet we had to accept many, many, many substitutes.
1: (laughs) So that wraps up Paramount Global. But since we're talking about Warners and Paramount, let's talk about their redheaded stepchild, the CW, which is currently for sale. Mark Pedowitz, the CEO of the CW, held a conference call that he does every year with reporters this morning and basically said, here's what's going on. We don't have any update." We know we canceled a bunch of shows, but we we saw it coming and we told our creators, you know what, if your show is on the bubble, which if you're getting this phone call, it is, plan for your finale to possibly have to serve as a series finale. And Petowitz guaranteed that Legacies, which marks the end of the 13-year journey of the Vampire Diaries franchise, will have a proper ending for all of our Legacies diehard fans listening And, you know, in in a larger sense, you know, the presentation, Open with Stevie Wonder, doesn't make a ton of sense for the 18 to 34 demo that the CW caters to, but it was a fabulous performance. And then Pedowitz brought out the cast of his three new shows and actually four new shows if you count Tom Swift, the Nancy Drew offshoot that was picked up last year. But this was basically either it it felt a little bit like a farewell because who knows what what shape the network is going to be at. You know, once a sale goes through, if Pettowitz will be back, if anything will be the same. But this was, you know, almost like a farewell to to broadcast at the upfronts while also being a farewell of sorts to the CW. He brought out the cast of all the shows, saw the, you know, unspooled all the big sizzle reels and called it a day. So, I mean, and then, you know, you brought out all three supernatural stars who all have continued to have business with the network. It was fun awkward, (laughs) nothing more than fan service. Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, it was business as usual for the CW, which is probably the network that's undergoing the most changes after canceling half of its roster.
0: But then it was, it really was like what Upfronts used to be. It was tears night by night. And I mean, to some degree, they're programming seven nights a week. It's, you know, it's sort of seven nights a week in quotation marks because of Whatever they're airing on Saturdays, but and I think also Sundays is largely acquisitions, but they're programming they're still programming the nights. Um, but they said, here's this new show? Here, it's a three-minute trailer that tells you everything about every second of the uh of the pilot, exactly like they used to do back in the good old days. So, okay, here's our Walker Texas Ranger spinoff, which is entirely just a CW version of 1883. And so, yay. Well done. You did that. Uh, uh, a little show called Gotham Knights that I believe we both have uh, some investment in. Uh, yes, this
1: is going to be something you're going to, you can call this a new drinking game. If you're a friend of the five, here's my disclaimer. Gotham Knights is co-created by my lovely wife, Natalie Abrams. Woo. <laughs>
0: Woo-hoo! Yes. Anyway. Um, so, so you got that. And it feels and it feels like it's in the DC brand for them. You've got the Winchesters, which is obviously a supernatural spinoff and looks the like third that's third ex-
1: time, yeah. Third time's a charm, it, it seems for Pedowitz Pett- trying really hard to get an extension of, of Supernatural going. Um,
0: and and Tom Swift is a, a Nancy Drew spin off to whatever degree. So everything basically felt on brand. It felt like uh, sort of versions of playing the hits. There there wasn't a a strange, here's one of our hour-long, uh, slightly quirky comedies that feels like it should have been on the WB 15 years ago, which it feels like the CW has programmed one of each year and basically canceled all of them at different points. Uh, there there was not a representative sample from that pool. But, yeah, it felt like it felt like a good old fashioned uh, CW up front. It was done in under an hour. God bless. Um, and so and everyone talked about how much they loved Mark Pedowitz and how much they respected him. And yeah, and he, you hear that next star? And he was the and he was the only sort of broadcast executive of his position, who Was given that profile this week that I can think of because right,
1: yeah. No Craig Erwick at the ABC at the Disney presentation, Susan Rovner oversees a big portfolio at NBC Universal, including Peacock and NBC. No Kelly Call at CBS. Who else am I missing?
0: That's this is this is what I'm saying. Is I mean, this Charlie
1: a- was front and center at Fox because who else was going to do it?
0: <laughs> yes, there's no question. Fox and the CW were sort of doing their own thing this week, they were, and whether. You know whether Fox feels good about being in that category with a half in, half out former netlet. I don't. I don't know. It's hard. Uh, ah, what a weird week, Leslie. Yeah.
1: Well, let's let's do a quick run through of the CW. So it was, uh, as Julie Pleck called it, it was the red wedding at the CWWB last week. Uh, Batwoman charmed Dynasty in the dark legacies Legends of Tomorrow Roswell. The 4,400, Naomi, all canceled. Supergirl already wrapped its run. The CW announced this week that Riverdale's upcoming season will be its last. Still TBD, Tom Swift, which was promoted heavily, and Stargirl, which was moved up to the fall schedule rather than being a summer, kind of the bridge to the fall season. Um, the network's schedule, you've, you've got All-American back-to-back on Mondays. Tuesdays, you've got The Winchesters and an acquired show called The Professionals. Wednesday, it's Stargirl and Kung Fu. Thursday, a double dip of Walker. Unscripted shows on Friday. Unscripted shows on Saturday. And acquired content on Sunday. So that's how the CW plans to fill the gap of all of those canceled shows. And if you want more on why the network canceled so many shows, you can go back and listen to like the last like three or four episodes that we've done. And there's also a great analysis up on THR.com that I spent probably far too much time reporting and writing.
0: Yes, Leslie did a terrific write-up, which was basically a write-up of what she instructed everybody about on last week's podcast. So depending on whether you like to listen to Leslie explain things or read Leslie explain things, it all comes out the same way in the end.
1: I, I went deep, and by and by that I mean I went back to, to the reasons why the network was created and the business model that they – employed with it and how it no longer makes sense and, and why the network is being sold. So it's all part of part of that big story. So that's it on Upfront. Stan, let's not do this again for another year. What do you say?
0: I'm 100% in agreement.
1: Up next, wrapping up as usual with the Critics Corner.
0: Number five.
1: New releases this week. You've got Angeline based on a Hollywood Reporter feature over at Peacock. Now and Then debuts on Apple whatever Night Sky is, debuts on Amazon. And we talked a little bit about broadcast this episode and a lot of of series and come to their season finale and a lot of their series finale, including This Is Us, which ends its six-season run Tuesday the 24th. And then you've got Ellen DeGeneres' farewell episode of her syndicated show a couple days later on the 26th. Dan, what stands out?
0: Okay, so I'm... uh I think I'm like 15 or 16 episodes behind on This Is Us, so I'm not sure I'm going to be able to catch up in time for that finale. I'm about 500 episodes behind on Ellen. I'm really not going to be able to catch up on that in time for that I don't finale. I think you need to
1: catch up on Ellen. I'm pretty sure every episode stands alone, right? <laughs> Sorry, sarcasm. <laughs> but,
0: but what I'm about? Tired. But what about the mythology? I don't know. Anyway, so yes, uh, I've got. Nothing to say about those things. Um, At least this segment, I don't need to be confused by everything, like throughout the upfronts. Um, You also didn't mention uh, George Carlin's American Dream on HBO from directors Judd Apatow and Mike Bonfiglio. Uh, If you liked the Judd Apatow, Gary Shandling documentary that he did a couple of years ago, which was really, really good. So let's make that clear. Uh, This is not quite as good as that, but it's still very, very solid. It is four hours of lots and lots of clips of George Carlin being fantastic and prescient and brilliant and lots and lots of clips of fairly famous people talking about why George Carlin is fantastic and prescient and brilliant. And it completely works in that sense. Uh, You know, George Carlin was both wildly ahead of his time, but also wildly of his time. He was a person who shifted his persona as he felt he needed to over the ca- course of four decades. And he left us with so many records of things that he said on various topics, but also with so many things where we only have to surmise what he would have said about them were he here today. But, you know, if you are if your Twitter feed is anything like mine, you've seen, for example, him talking about... Uh, uh, you know, about abortion. That's that's a clip that goes around basically every time abortion rights are <laughs> put in jeopardy. So every few months, uh, those get recirculated and etc. So it's, it's very good. If you are a George Carlin fan, it is worth watching. You will probably have seen many of the clips, but maybe not all. Uh, definitely, there were some early Carlin things back in his uh, Carlin and Burns days. It, I always find it, somewhat disturbing to see the George Carlin without a beard and in a suit from quality black and white television back in the day and there's there's a lot of that you know there there are interviews with his daughter who talks about his relationship with his wife which was a lengthy and rocky but also nourishing relationship uh his brother Patrick who died earlier this year was interviewed for the documentary obviously before he died so there's good stuff there uh, so yeah, George Carlin's American Dream is is very very solid. Um, okay, so we're gonna go cr- chronologically. Eventually, I will tell you what Night Sky is. I I promise, and then you will know. You still won't watch it, but I'll tell you. Uh, Angeline is indeed based on a great thr article by our colleague uh, Gary Baum, and large chunks of it were filmed in our former offices. And so, if you're me. And if you're Shannon O'Connor and if you're pretty much that's it, Uh, you'll be able to watch it and see uh, your former desks. So there's that. Yay. Um, It's it's Emmy Rossum in increasing amounts of latex playing Los Angeles Billboard Queen Angeline and. Angeline is a phenomenon who is difficult to understand if you are not a Los Angeles resident. You you don't necessarily have a perspective of, A, how ubiquitous her billboards used to be, of, B, the frequency and genuine amusement of having an Angeline sighting. I have never actually had an – have you had an Angeline sighting? I'm born and raised LA. I've had a few. Okay. I – we, we all know you're born and raised in L.A. I've never seen her in the wild. I've seen her car, and it's such a notable I've seen car. her in her car and her. I mean, I assume that if I saw her car, I assume she was probably in it, but I didn't notice her, but I did notice the car because it is unmistakable. It's a, It's a part of the L.A. culture that is a real thing that wouldn't make sense necessarily to anybody else. And so the series goes out of its way to kind of position her as – the, I don't know, the founding father of of meaningless social media celebrity, uh, sort of putting her I- down as being Paris Hilton before Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian before Kim Kardashian, all the Kardashians before all the Kardashians. I don't know if that necessarily gives her too much credit or not enough, honestly, because... I don't know, you know, she's made a persona out of it, and she's obviously had some success, but Paris Hilton has made a life and career out of being whatever she is. Several of the Kardashians have become billionaires as a result of the celebrity they've gleaned from whatever it is that they do, also from money that they had in the family previously. You know, they're not self-made, whereas Angeline is self-made, and that is what's intriguing about her and why the story is interesting. I thought the last two episodes, which kind of try to understand Angeline in a deeper way, actually were pretty good. And it's, there's an amusing mixture of absurdism, surrealism, fourth wall breaking, sort of Brechtian silliness. Emmy um, Rossum is, is good. She's kind of consumed by the latex. And so at a certain point, it really just becomes latex acting. You don't, even see emmy rossum anymore which is impressive on a some technical level but you know if she's trying to dig deeper it doesn't always come through the makeup on a lot of the supporting performers is pretty awful all of the male characters are underwritten or badly written which wouldn't bother me if they weren't taking up time and space like if you don't if your point is this is a woman who was self determinative. We're going to concentrate on her. Please do, because that's the story. But all of these men in her life, I, I would just assume give them no time at all because the presence that they have here is not very good. There's also a couple episodes at the beginning where you kind of suspect that they thought they were doing a longer series and that they had more time because it's five episodes. And if you go back to early reports, some people were under the impression it was going to be eight. And I think you can see that maybe in the first couple episodes is the we've got a lot of time to fill, so we're just going to spin our wheels. Whereas the last two episodes are very, very rushed. And they give the strong impression that there probably is a 100-minute movie of Angeline that would have been really good. This is hit and miss, and whether you concentrate more on the hits than the misses, I I can't say for sure. I enjoyed some of it, but I don't know that I would really recommend anyone sitting through the first three hours, which I don't think are good, to get to the last two hours, which I think are decent. So I don't know. Also, if this has no meaning to you because you are not a Los Angelino or you don't know Gary Baum or your desk is not featured in the limited series, (laughs) I don't know. So yes, so that is Angeline and Night Sky. So Night Sky on Amazon is the story of a aging couple played by J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek who have been married for 50 years. They have a granddaughter who they're worried about. They have various medical problems that they have to go and get prescriptions for. And they have a shed off to the side of their house that has a bunker at the bottom where you go through a strange particle-shifting elevator and you find yourself in an observation room overlooking an alien planet somewhere. So it is both a story about their relationship, but also the very, very strange alien planet that they have a portal to next to their house. Is there a hole? Uh, well, the bunker is sort of a bunker, so it's a hole-esque bunker. Um, it, it is not – it has been augmented beyond the hole. In Outer Range, it is a no-frills hole. It's just a hole. Whereas in uh, in this, you know, there's a shed on top of it. There are high-tech doors, et cetera, et cetera. And then they get to overlook a strange – planet. And so it's kind of an enticing blend of elements. And it kind of goes in this the category of slow burn sci-fi that we've gotten a lot lately, where they want to be sci-fi and they want to have the big hook that gets people in. But then they want to be like, no, 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 we're really about the people. In almost every case, it's really about faith, because in all of these cases, it's about what do you believe? How do you believe? What do you do when you have something you can't explain that is beyond the realm of human comprehension, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a bit like uh, Josh Brolin's Hole or uh, Outer Range, whatever you want to call it. It's a little bit like Invasion on Apple TV Plus where – Basically, there was an alien invasion, but mostly it was about boring human characters. In this case, at least you have Sissy Spacek and J.K. Simmons. And they are both tremendous because they're both tremendous actors. And you get them in scenes together and you go, "Okay, this is a couple that's been married for 50 years that has a shed with a portal to another planet off to the side of their house. Uh, So I kind of appreciated the way that the show built out those two characters and a couple other characters while probably denying people the actual sci-fi thrills that people are going to be curious about seeing. So in the first 10 minutes, they go through the portal and they see the alien planet. It's not like it's hiding it. I'm not spoiling anything by talking about it. But then for like the next six or seven episodes, they only go to the observation of the alien planet like two or three times. They're, they're doing a bunch of other stuff. They're like taking blood pressure medication and, and stuff. And that's that's kind of what the plot is at a certain point. And either you're going to be amused by this. In my review, I described it as being like Lost if the hatch was found by Rose and Bernard and they ultimately just decided they had other things to do instead of caring about the hatch. And if that's the kind of thing that amuses you, maybe you'll like Night Sky. I've now given a basic sense of what it is. It's probably an okay version of what it is. There's a lot of filler. It is definitely not close-ended. So I've seen eight episodes and where it gets by the end of the eighth episode is probably where most people would be hoping that it got after the pilot, honestly. So we'll see. I, I like the stars. That's kind of worth it. Um, yeah, so uh, you've got HBO's George Carlin's American Dream. Totally worth watching if you're a George Carlin fan and if you liked what Judd Apatow did with the Gary Shandling doc. You've got Angeline, does get better, at least one good performance. The last episode is really loopy and silly and funny, and I kind of recommend it strongly. But I don't know that I recommend the journey that it would take to get to it. And then Night Sky on Amazon, uh, old couple, 50 years buried, portal to another planet. Josh Brolin's Hole. Josh Brolin's Hole, totally different series. Um, but on the other hand, can I say with any certainty that Josh Brolin's Hole does not, in fact, lead to the same alien planet that uh, that's in Sissy Spacek and J.K. Simmons' backyard? No, I cannot say that. Uh, it's part of the the Amazon Greater Hole Universe. Um, I see what you did there, Dan. I don't know what I did there. I don't know anything. The greater Hole Universe. It's been a... <laughs> It's been a long week, Leslie, so those are those are a few TV shows, and next week I'll come back and talk about a few shows that people actually maybe are actually interested in, things like Stranger Things.
1: <laughs> I've heard of that one. I, didn't Netflix just spoil that, too?
0: Yeah, I've, we'll get into that next week. I've heard rumors of that, uh, but, but yes, I look forward to talking next week about Stranger Things and its 75-minute episodes.
1: Well, for more of Dan's weekly recommendations, be sure to subscribe to THR's Now See This newsletter and bookmark THR.com slash TV dash reviews for more. This feels like a good place to wrap things up. Thank you, as always, for listening to TV's top five, the Hollywood Reporter's TV podcast.
0: Be sure to subscribe on all of your various podcasting platforms. If you like us, rate us. If you really like us, write a little reviewy thing. It does help spread the word of mouth. We're always happy to chat with you guys on Twitter. Come say hi. Let us know what's working, what isn't working. And if any of the confusing things that we talked about in this week's podcast confused you and you wanted answers on them, I think next week would be a fantastic week. For, a, uh, for an upfronts wrap up mailbag. So if or you have just qu-
1: any general questions,
0: sure, that too. But I'm saying upfronts give people lots of things to be perplexed as hell by uh, because I'm still perplexed. Maybe Leslie will have answers for you. I promise I won't. But if you have questions, you can email us at TV's top five at thr.com. That's TV's top five, the numeral five at thr.com. Until next week, Leslie.
1: Until next week, Dan.